Welcome to the Fundamental Hour today. This is the fourth sermon in our series on the subject of prosperity. If you've not seen our other messages, please go to our YouTube channel and check it out, Fundamental Hour on YouTube. But many churches, many pastors get up and they preach and they teach about the fact that that if you're obedient to God, that God's going to bless you, He's going to enrich you, He's going to give you wealth and fame and health. And that's just not true. That's a lie. Can God give you riches? Yes. Can God give you health? Yes. But does God make every person healthy? Does God make every person rich? Is it the will of God that everyone have all the things of the world? Certainly not. Not hardly. Today, we're going to talk about one of the great, the, the great secret, the biblical secret to prospering, having biblical prosperity. We define prosperity as succeeding, making progress. If you're going to succeed for God, you have to have this element that we're going to describe today. You have to have this, this trait, this character that we're going to describe today. We're going to look in Philippians chapter 4 and beginning with verse number 10. The Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Paul is talking to the church at Philippi. This church in the past had been good to him, and they had helped to meet his needs. The Bible says that they had sent once and again unto his necessity in verse number 16, it said, For in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity or my need. So this was a, a, a church that had tried to meet the needs of the Apostle Paul. But he says to them that he rejoiced greatly that now at the last their care has flourished, what? Again. And then he says, look, it's not that you didn't care about me, but you didn't have the opportunity. So for a while, they had not been able to help meet his needs. And now they were able to give to him again. And he's rejoicing in that. But look in verse 11. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now what he's saying, he says, listen, I'm not rejoicing just because of what you did for me. He says, I am not speaking this pleasure. I'm not telling you of my joy because I wanted something from you. And I got it. He says, because I have learned, I have learned something very important. 
I've learned that in whatever state I find myself, in whatever condition I find myself, to be content with that condition. And he goes on to explain. Look in verse 12. He says, I know both how to be abased. To be abased means to be brought low, to be humble. And I know how to abound. To abound means you have plenty. Things are going well. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. What's he saying? He's saying, look, I have learned in life that sometimes you have a lot and sometimes you don't got anything. Sometimes you're full, you've eaten, you've had plenty, and other times you're hungry, you don't know where your next meal is coming from. And he said, no matter which position I am in, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be satisfied with what I have. I have learned and pleased with the condition God has put me in. In verse number 17, look what he says here. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He is commending, he's praising the church at Philippi for having met his need. He is praising them for sending a sacrifice to him and helping to meet his need. And he's saying to them, I'm not doing this because I desired to get a gift from you. But what I desire for you is that you may have fruit that abounds to your account. What is he teaching here? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break, break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Every one of us, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, if we're born again, we have a record in heaven, an account. God is keeping track of everything we do. And when we get to heaven, He's going to reward us for what we have done for Him. And He, we are going to prosper. We're going to bear fruit in heaven according to how we have worked for Christ here. Paul is God's man. He is the apostle. He's the missionary. He's taking the gospel to the world. He's starting churches. He's pastoring the pastors. He's doing a great work. And what he's teaching the church at Philippi is that when you meet my need, you are laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. 
when you take care of the man of God, God's taking care of you with rewards in heaven. He's saying, look, I know how to suffer. I know how to be hungry. I'm content in whatever condition I'm in. Because I believe in God. I believe He'll meet my need. And I'm telling you that you've done well. Not because I wanted something from you. But I like the fact that you're doing something that's going to earn you a, a reward in heaven. It's going to put good things on your record to where God blesses you greatly with rewards in heaven. We are encouraged to lay up treasures in heaven, not to lay up treasures on earth. I, I feel sorry for the people who don't believe in heaven. <laughs> I feel sorry for the people who only look to this world for riches. Because when they get to heaven, they're going to be greatly disappointed. Because nothing you earn here, nothing you have here, are you going to take with you. The only thing going with you is the work you have done. And you better lay up treasure in heaven. Because when you get there, if you have not worked for God on earth, you're not going to be in great prosperity there. Oh, you'll prosper because you won't be in hell. But if you want all that God has for you, learn that prosperity and being successful is not about having the things of this world. It's about investing in the future, investing in God, in His mission, in His work, and therefore in your future. The Bible says here in verse 19, well, let's read verse 18. But I have all. Paul says, I, I have all I need and abound. I'm full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God said, you have given to me, and God is going to take care of your needs. He will supply your need. But notice that the promise is to the believers who had sacrificed. It says that they sacrificed. They sent a sacrifice for his sake. And the promise that God would meet their need is not to every believer, but it's to the believer that sacrificed and gave. I believe that these people did not simply give of their abundance, but they made a sacrifice to help Paul in his ministry. And God would take care of them. Now, is God promising to give them everything they want? Is God promising to enrich them like he enriched Solomon? No. The promise is not wealth but to meet their needs. There's a vast difference between what a person may want and what they need. The following verse helps to embody this teaching. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Put God first and He'll give you what you need. 
It doesn't mean you'll be wealthy. It doesn't mean you'll have the best cars and the biggest houses. But God will meet your needs. Paul learned to be content whether he was hungry or whether he was full. And that ought to, to help us understand that there are times in the Christian life where you have to suffer and you are hungry. But eventually, God will meet that need. You know, the Bible tells us to fast. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to talk a lot about that, but I, I fast. The most I've fasted is 12 days. 12 days, no food, no water. I'm not talking about this kind of fasting where somebody eats in the morning and they eat at night. That's not fasting. I'm talking about fasting. No food, nothing but water for 12 days. I've done that. That's affliction. That's suffering. That has a place in God's will. That has a place in the Christian life. There's times we need to suffer. But eventually, our need is met. God has not called us to riches in this world. God has called us to a work. And we must be able to be content in any situation we find ourselves or we cannot do the work of Christ. Let me give you some lessons today. Three lessons quickly. Number one, contentment is the message of the Scriptures. We see here in Philippians that Paul was advocating contentment. And he, had, and he displayed an example of that contentment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says this, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, when you think gaining the world, when you think having all the prosperity of the world, when you identify that with godliness, God says you're wrong. And God tells us to withdraw from those people. If you're going to a church where a preacher tells you that if you're godly, God is going to enrich you, get out of that church. Get out of the leadership of that pastor because he is not of God. The Bible says to withdraw yourself from those that suppose that gain is godliness. And the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. When you are godly and you are content, that is great gain. I'm a rich man. I don't drive a new car. I don't live in a big house. But I'm a rich man. Why? Because I'm content with what God has given me and I'm striving to live according to His commandments. And God says, 
that is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. See, God says, don't labor. Don't work. Don't say, I will be rich, but rather be content with what you got. Food and raiment, I'm good. I'm content. I got a Bible. I got God's commandments. I got food. I got raiment. I'm content. I don't need that big car. I don't need that big house. I don't need those clothes. I don't have to shop at the nicest places. I can be content. That is to be our attitude. And that is what the scriptures teach. It teaches an attitude of contentment. Contentment is the secret ingredient to prospering. If you can be content with what God has given you, then you are prospering. Number two, contentment is the key to true prosperity. To be content means to be satisfied with what you have and not wanting more or anything else. Contentment is wanting what you already possess. And that is where we find peace and joy. And peace and joy are priceless. They cannot be bought. No money can buy peace and joy in your heart. Contentment can bring those things. Thanking God, being thankful and grateful to God for what you have is a recipe for peace and joy and contentment. Desiring the things of the world and being determined that you're going to have those things no matter what is a recipe for disaster. It is not a recipe for prosperity. It is a recipe for disaster. This world is filled with people who think themselves to be godly and they're not. They think themselves to be good Christians and they're not. They think that they're blessed because they have riches and they're not blessed. Again, if having riches means that you're blessed, then the atheists are blessed because they have the same riches. Paul was truly a prosperous man because he learned in whatsoever state he was to be content. You see, some of you don't like this message. You're going to turn this message off because you want riches. That is the whole desire of your life. That's everything you're going for. And the tragedy is, in running after riches, you're going to run right past God. And in possessing riches, you're going to miss out on God. And one day, you're going to regret having made riches your goal and not God your goal. And Paul is a testimony that you can have God and not have riches.
Not everybody that's doing the will of God does God allow to have the riches and the things. No, we have to take up our cross and follow Him. I said, number one, contentment is the message of the Scriptures. I said, number two, contentment is the key to true prosperity. And I said, number three, contentment is easy when you have Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation, that's your manner of living, be without covetousness, that's desiring and clamoring for something, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be content with what you have, and don't be covetous. Because God has said, what I have given to you is Jesus Christ. He is with you, and He will never leave thee, and He will never forsake thee. And no matter where I go in this world, and no matter whether I have money in my pocket or I don't, I am blessed because God is with me, and God is all-powerful, and God can provide a table in the wilderness, in the presence of my enemies. My enemies can take my money from me, but they cannot take my God from me. And when we truly are prospering is when we are content with having God as our friend and our partner. The scriptures are begging us not to be covetous of the world, but to be content with the fact that Jesus said, He is your friend and helper. The next verse there, it says this, Hebrews 12, verse 6. Um, I'm sorry, Hebrews 13, verse 6, it says this. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is your helper. That is prosperity. The prosperity teaching in many churches is the opposite of contentment. It teaches us to be covetous. It teaches us to desire and want and to go after and to seek after the things of the world. We see through this doctrine and realize it's the teaching of devils. And may we realize that how rich we truly are is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we can be content with what He has given us. I long for the day when I get to heaven and I find out how rich I truly am. And that will only happen when I'm content now to serve God to be willing to suffer, to be willing to do without, to be content with the fact that Jesus lives with me and will never forsake me. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Hour. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.